If you've never, how many of you have participated before in one day? Thank you so much. It's coming up two weekends from today, and we look so forward to it. Bonnie and I have done this every year. You figure out how much you make in a day, and then you bring an offering that's that amount. And it's very simple. We don't beg. We just say, if God puts it on your heart to do this, which I hope He will, it's very fulfilling and rewarding when a catastrophe happens in the world. Let's say Haiti or China or a mudslide somewhere. Convoy of Hope is one of the largest organizations in the world that has people almost in every country on site. They get there. They are first responders. And uh, we give that money to them. And that means every disaster you read about, when you watch the news, you are part of helping those people. So please see the value of it. We also give a percentage of that offering to our local ministries here through Serve 6-8, the Murphy Center, and helping people get their feet on their ground. So it's really a timberline doesn't benefit anything from it. Uh, all the money we receive goes out. And so we're just the funnel that God uses to facilitate it. And so please pray about it if you've never done it. It can be a lot of money. You look at you, you never think you make enough money. And you add it up and go, I can't give an offering like that. Well, plan it. Participate as a family. Maybe pick a day that you go to work knowing, I'm not working for me today. I'm working for the kingdom of God somewhere else in the world. So I hope you can have fun doing that and enjoy it so much. It's like summertime. I mean, it is so nice out. I'm just loving it. I hope you're getting out there. It, uh, it goes fast. You know, we jump into August here, and all of a sudden I'm thinking, August? How many of you have school starting here in a couple of weeks for your kids, you know? And how many of you are happy about that? It feels, feels good. Hopefully the kids are happy about that, because they get to go school supply shopping. And that's a blast. We are in a, a series called Trip Advisor, and we are trying to look at some of the journeys in the Bible, or the thoughts about journeys. There are many of them. There are so many. This Bible has a whole lot of people moving around, getting stuff done. It's like we have a God who says, go over here. Okay, now go there. Okay, now go to the other part of the world. Okay, get in this boat. He didn't say get on a plane, though, uh, yet. But he's telling us that. Well, I have a little helper here today. This is, this is my personal little travel uh, pack. I like the four-wheeler version. How many of you have these? Yeah, it's like walking a dog. They just, they just go. You know, they just go. And uh, I've used this for several years now. It's still in decent shape. And my wife put a little green ribbon on it for me. How many of you know what that's for? Because every suitcase that comes out of a plane looks like this one. But if you have a green ribbon on it, then you, you can identify it as yours. Now, what are you going to put in something like this? Let's say, um, what, what kind of stuff would go in a bag like this? Just say it out. Just give me some thoughts. Shirts, underwear, pants. Huh? Bathroom stuff. Now, ladies, I mean, this is a big thing. When we try to travel without checking bags, Bonnie's bathroom stuff can fill up this bag. I don't get it, ladies. Is this normal? I'm like, I, I'm serious. If I have a bar of soap in the shower, that's all I need. I wash my hair with a bar of soap. And she's grossed out by that. And I'm like, it's soap. What's it matter? It's soap. And when you have my hair, it really doesn't matter. What we're looking at, what we're looking at is this story of Joshua. And 
God is going to take Joshua and prepare him to lead Israel. Moses has died, where we pick up the story. And basically, God is going to say, here's the stuff you need in your suitcase to take this journey. And it's not the stuff you might think. It's definitely not the stuff you just listed, nor the stuff I listed. It goes much deeper than that. And today's going to challenge you. This weekend message is going to challenge you, because it's challenged me. And I know what happens to me in my heart when I go through stuff and God puts his finger in areas of my life and I have to bring it to this table on a weekend like this. I want you to really listen carefully. I want you to put your whole heart into this and I want you to be open to saying, God, show me this stuff in me. We need what God wants in our suitcase. We need to have access to the things that he wants us to have as we do life's journey. So... Think about that. The first thing that I want to open up with in the back of your program there is an outline you can follow along, is that we sometimes need a new beginning. We sometimes just need a new beginning. Joshua is going to have a new beginning in his life. Have you ever been there where you go through a season of something and you just kind of go, I just need to start over. You know, I, I just, I need a fresh line in the sand and, and I don't even know what that looks like. I think there are stages. I remember coming out of, out of grade school, getting ready for junior high, thinking, I'm excited for junior high. I remember going into high school saying, this is a new beginning. I'm going into high school. I remember going into college and all these different stages. I had a couple last night who came up to me and said, man, we are just asking that question because we're just almost to retire. And I just don't know if retirement's going to land well with us, but... But we're, we're drawing a new line in the sand and we're saying, God, what do you have for the next years of my life? Let me read it. Joshua chapter 1. If you have a Bible, just leave it open there because we're going to basically just be going right through uh, the first nine verses, verse by verse. Joshua 1. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said... Moses, my servant, is dead. That is a huge, profound statement. Joshua is overwhelmed by this statement because Moses was an incredible leader. He saw God use Moses miracle after miracle. Just put yourself in young Joshua's positions hearing God say, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people. Now, it's at this moment that he starts getting the sweats <laughs> because this is thousands and thousands of people. And they're, they're not all really great followers. If you know the history of Israel, they had a lot of bickering with Moses and he had a lot of challenges with leading these people. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead the people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. Man, what was going on in Joshua's mind? What does it mean for him to say, I'm stepping into a new leadership role that I have never done before. The great man Moses who mentored me, who I'm going to miss terribly, is no longer here for me to pick his brain, get ideas from. He, he was a mentor to Joshua. Joshua learned so much from him. And I think about what happens today when we are at crossroads. I've been in the ministry long enough to see now that people do actually die and go on to heaven. We've lost some great leaders at Timberline through the years. 
I've buried a whole bunch of people that I wish I wouldn't have had to bury. I know they're with the Lord. I know I'll be with them again. I'm grateful for that. But there's something unique about death. And there's something unique about a new season and a new beginning. And I think Joshua is saying, wow, it's God saying to me, Moses, my servant, is dead. What's next for us? What's next for you? The challenge is, those crossroads, we make decisions about how we're going to live. And the timing of your life really matters. That's why I like it when this text says, the time has come. Joshua, the time has come. It's almost like, like God is saying, you've been prepped for this all these years. You've been involved, you've witnessed it, but now you're going to step out and you're going to firsthand experience what this kind of leadership is all about. The timing matters. There's a new beginning. Number two, we sometimes need reassurance. <clears throat> we sometimes really do need reassurance in our lives. If you were to look in Joshua's suitcase, the first thing God put in there was a, the mandate to take Moses' place. It's like, you're the man. The authority is yours. I will help you. I will bless you. Then he gives him this reassurance. Verse 31. I promise you what I promised Moses. That again is really big because Joshua knows he can't fill those shoes. Wherever you set foot, you will be on the land that I have given you. Verse 5. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. That is a big statement, you guys. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Now, Joshua had no idea what was about to happen to him in this leadership journey. Let's just take a minute and say that I give you tickets to San Diego today. Okay? And the plane leaves at noon tomorrow. And you could go. Okay? We, all, we worked it all out. You could plan what you want to do for five days in San Diego. You might Google around and you might want to go there, go this place, go that place. But you never know when you go on a trip exactly what's going to happen. Right? You never know. Your plane might get delayed. You, know, you might not even make it there the day you thought you were going to get there. Your, your reservation might get messed up. How many of you have traveled enough to know that's absolutely true and that stuff absolutely happens? So... So Joshua's at this point pre-journey. And we need to appreciate this because he hasn't started leading Israel yet. He's, he doesn't know all the stories that we can easily read about now in the book of Joshua. All the stuff he has to face, it's unbelievable. He knows none of that yet. It's kind of like a blind person who says, I'm going to just start walking God and I'm going to just trust you that you will help me. God makes these big promises. He needs to be reassured. And he is. You know, traveling like this is tough to do. Sometimes, sometimes I ask the question when God is saying this to Joshua, was Joshua insecure? Was Joshua one of those leaders who was a worrier? Was he nervous? Honestly, I don't think so. But if you ever studied his life, he's a very confident He's a very faithful, willing leader to do what God asks him to do. He doesn't waver very much. People's opinion don't take him out, you know, and wipe him out. He's not going to quit every other day. And so he doesn't have this roller coaster swing of emotions like a Jonah, you know, people who up and down and don't, can't figure out their emotions. 
this is a solid leader. But why is God saying, I'm putting in your bag the reality that you have reassurance from me that I will be with you all the way. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be nervous. Just trust me. Hear the voice of God. Now, granted, when we read, when we read Old Testament like this and it says God said and then there's a sentence, how many of you know that's a big advantage? If, if God showed up in my bedroom tonight and sat at the end of the bed and said, Dear, here's what I want to tell you. And I wrote it down as he was saying it. I would have no problem doing it because I would know it was from God. Our biggest dilemma is hearing the voice of God to know what is really God and what isn't. Because we all have lots of voices in our head. (laughs) And I promise you, not all of them are God. How many of you know that? Not all of them are God. So we have to have this moment where we say, how do I hear the voice of God? And does God really speak to me? We're in a culture right now where the Holy Spirit upon the earth, the Holy Spirit abides in us and is our advocate. The Greek word is paraclete, the one who walks beside us. The renewing of the mind happens when I give my body, my mind, my spirit man to the Lord. And I trust him to infill me with the spirit so that I don't have to walk in the ways of the world. But I can be led by the spirit. The New Testament talks all the time about what it means to be led by the spirit. People can make that spooky, like, what socks do I put on in the morning? Oh, God, please reveal it to me. Um, What shirt should I wear today? I don't want you to get caught up in that kind of spooky stuff. But I think there are crossroads in your life and decisions you make on a daily basis that you need to prayerfully consider what God is saying to you about it. Should you eat that? Should you go there? Should you spend money on that? Man, it's scary when you get online like Amazon or some of these websites and you see this item and it's one click. How many of you have done this? Okay, I, I just, I've just done it a few times and I'm like, I'm not teaching Bonnie how to do this. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Bonnie's not a spender. But, but it's so easy. And you can just look at something you want and, and, and your credit card's hooked up to it. And all of a sudden it shows up on your doorstep. So it's like, click, it's at your doorstep. You know, two days later or whatever it is. And so we have to really start being careful about, God, what honors you with everything, my time, talent, treasure? And so Joshua's at this place where he's hearing God's voice. I would like for you to pick a time this week when you can listen for God's voice. Practice it. I'm an early guy, so even this morning I got my coffee, went in my little study at home, and I'm just sitting there, and sometimes I'll just sit there and not talk. And I'll say, God, what is it you want to say to me today? And I'll have these little premonition things. Sometimes I'll just jot them down. I'll start making a list. And, and I'll, I've tried to discern the voice of God. I don't always get it right. But I know for big decisions, and I include Bonnie, I, I feel like if God's telling me something, and then I just bring Bonnie in the loop, and, and she helps straighten it out a little bit. God, God's telling her something. She brings me in the loop, and I help straighten it out a little bit. Um, We've shared certain things with confidants that we love and we appreciate people who have wisdom beyond us in purchasing things or a home or whatever. And you go, God, I want to find that place. But here's the deal. Will you know his voice? That's a discipline. And I want us to have it. Number three. Okay, we sometimes need strength and courage. Three times God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Now, you can see none of the things that we're talking about today 
can fit physically in a bag. When you become strong and courageous, let me just read it, verse 6. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Verse 7. Be strong and courageous. Why again? Did God forget he already said that? No, he's making a point. He actually says it again in in a couple verses down. Why? Because he knows that there's stuff ahead that will require strength and courage. And leadership is no cakewalk. And, and all of you are leaders at some level. You say, oh, I'm not a leader. Yes, you are. We all have different leadership responsibilities. We all have equal value. I told our pastors the other day, every one of you in this room has equal value. No one's more important than anyone else. I just have a different responsibility than you have. You have a different responsibility than someone else has. But we all have equal value in the kingdom of God. We are all loved by God. So God is putting an assignment in front of Joshua and saying, Be strong and courageous. You're going to need this. You're going to face challenges. And here's the thing. We do face challenges in this world. In this life, some of you right now, you're looking cancer right in the eye. Some of you have fought your way through that. Some of you, other diseases, strange things have happened. Some of you, heartbreak is right on you right now. And it matters. It matters what your response is. And it matters to the kingdom what your response is. Can I be godly? Can I be strong? Can I have courage when I go through things that I don't expect? It's interesting that we talk about how it rains on the just and the unjust. What does that mean? It means that bad stuff happens to us, whether we're people of faith or not. We live in a world that's fallen. And so, God knows that the people of Israel are going to argue with each other. He knows they're going to come up against Joshua sometimes. He knows they're going to disagree with him. He knows there's going to be a few of them that rally the troops to get Joshua kicked out. (laughs) God knows all this. That's why he's saying, Joshua, you better have strength and courage in your bag. Because for you to travel where I'm going to take you, this really, really matters. Listen, we're going to face challenges. Life throws us a curveball. Relationships are challenging. The pain, the loss, the heartache, the brokenness, there is no pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. But here's the thing. We have to trust God. And we've got to be ready in that moment to make good decisions. Now, number four in your outline, this is, a, this is tricky. And you might not like what I have to say about this, but it's part of the story, and I'm moved by it. There are conditions to success. We don't like things that are conditional. Our culture doesn't like that. You give me, but don't expect anything in return. Well, God makes it clear here, so listen carefully. God says, be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. What's that? That's a condition. If you do this, then you will be successful in all that you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night. So you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Obey everything written in it. Only then... Oh, man, I don't like this. 
Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Then he says it again. Be strong and courageous. Okay, what's going on in this? What's going on in this? God shows up and says, wow, you're the next leader. You can do it. I'm investing in you. You're going to lead all of Israel. Be strong. Be courageous. I'm giving you my word. I'm giving you my authority. Everywhere you walk, it's going to be your land. It's going to be amazing. Then he says, only if you obey every word in the book. Only if you do exactly what I tell you to do. Okay, now I'm nervous. <laughs> I, I thought that the promise of God would just come on me and I could make my own decisions and God would bless it. But now I'm seeing that what God really wants to bless are the decisions that I make through the leading of God in my life. Not just the stuff I make up. We often do what we do and then we ask God to bless it. And that's a big mistake because what we need to be doing is saying, God, what is it that you are blessing and how can I do that? So this gets really, this gets really tricky for people because people often have expectations of God and yet they are not willing to walk in obedience to the patterns and the expectations that are taught in this book. Now, someone who doesn't claim to be a follower of Jesus or believe in the Bible, I don't hold them accountable to that same level. Because they don't even believe this book. Okay? So God has to deal with them through the Spirit. But if you tell me you're a Bible-believing follower of Jesus, then I have expectations of you that you will do what this book says. And that's right. That's what church is. That's what believers do. But that gets really tricky because most Americans, whether they've been exposed a little or a lot to God and the Bible, sort of believe that they come to God and God sort of makes everything better. And he cleans up my life for me. And I don't have to worry about all that stuff. Have you, ever, have you ever prayed the prayer? Oh God, if you'll just get me out of this one situation. <laughs> I have. <laughs> then I'll change my ways. I won't do that anymore. Just this one time. Wow. You know, I've got to know the conditions. And I've got to know what this book says in order to live in them. Don't be illiterate when it comes to the Bible and what it teaches. You are going to be accountable to God. There's people who just don't like what the Bible says about certain topics. I don't like everything it says. I don't understand everything in this book. But I'm trying to line my life up so that it meets the conditions. Now, I get it. My righteousness, me doing good, the Bible says my righteousness is like filthy rags. So, in other words, I can't ever be good enough to earn anything from God. His love is unconditional. But his blessing is conditional. You with me? It's challenging. We're not taught this very often. And it's, it's hard. And I see people, I see people who I really don't understand. They know that they shouldn't be doing this. And they keep doing it. And they keep asking forgiveness. And they keep doing it. And they keep asking. And, and instead of lining their life up with the pattern of the Word of God that can help them to overcome that sin and overcome that stuff, they just continue to dabble in stuff that they know they shouldn't be dabbling in. It breaks my heart. Have you ever, have you ever tried to play a game at somebody's house and they don't follow the rules? It's like Monopoly. Oh, we give, we give 400 when you pass go instead of 200. Oh, well, that's nice. Oh, okay. Well, that's nice. Oh, and we also get loans from the bank at whatever level we need. Really? 
Well, you're, you're making your own game. That's not the game of Monopoly. That's what people do with this book. They're, they're, they're making their own game with the pieces they like of this, but they're not really saying, I want to be a Christ follower. I want to do the will of God. Because there are conditions in this book that allow you to do that. And there are some absolutes in this book that are standards that are set in your life. And it will keep you from making decisions on that side of the line. Makes me sad. I love you guys. And I hate seeing followers of Jesus continuing to walk outside the patterns of this book and somehow expect the blessing of God to be on them when God's not hearing their prayers. It's a tricky one. But think about your life and think about being that person who says, God, I want to make my life count and I'm going to give it all. I'm going to leave it all on the table. I'm going to trust you. If you're going to play this game, play by the rules God sets. But we don't like that in our culture because then there's expectations. And the other bad thing, and I'll move on, I promise. The other tough thing in this is sometimes we get away with sin for so long and there are no consequences that we feel like big deal God must not care and then boom when it is found out and it is caught or even the day you stand before God and you guys this isn't a hellfire I'm trying to scare everybody sermon you know my heart I hope I love people I want people to make it but I have to tell you the truth or I'm not doing my job and there are a whole lot of people out there that have become people who cut out so much of this book because they don't like what's in it And they just want to live their life and ask God to bless whatever decision they make. And Joshua heard God loud and clear. You do it my way or my blessing is not going to be on your life. Number five, we always need the Lord's presence. This is one of the most powerful things in the story. We always need the Lord's presence. Look at at this promise from God in verse 9, the second part of verse 9. Joshua, do not be afraid or discouraged. Isn't it funny how God flips it right here? It's almost like the same thing that he's been saying. Be strong and courageous, only he flips it into the negative. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you everywhere you go. Wow. Everywhere you go. What does it mean to have the Lord's presence in our life everywhere we go? And do I fully embrace that? Do I fully believe that? Am I really living that way? Listen, I remember, I remember being in a Sunday school class, and I had a teacher who brought a little sticker that had the name of Jesus on it. It was actually like a little stick person that had Jesus across the, the front, and he said, Jesus is with you wherever you go. If you ride in a car, he's sitting next to you. Take this Jesus with you and, and put it in your pocket. Take it with you. Put it out where you can see it everywhere. It's like, it really freaked me out. Because it's like, there's some negatives about that, would you agree? It's like, wow, I'm not sure I want Jesus with me all the time. But it really taught me as a kid that his presence is there always. And he sees everything. Young people, I mean, we have our students, CSU, all coming back in the next few weeks. Church, pray for them. Students, especially freshmen, I mean, they come in here and it's, 
it's like the first couple of weekends they're making decisions that that could wreck their life or make their life really count and some of them want to get away from wherever it is and they want a new start and it's not the start they should have and it's a tough time so that's why we love students it's why we pray for them some of them need you as mentors in their life but it matters because our track record matters to God let's be people who will face all the same stuff here's the thing I'm going to face illness issues all the stuff that anyone else is going to face on this earth I'm going to face it too I already have many things in my life the difference is that I have the presence of God to help me through it and I don't know how people do it without the presence of God do you? I don't know how they do it. The stuff you're dealing with right now, hold on to God. Grab a hold of God and say, God, I don't like what I'm going through, but I'm so glad you're going with me and I'm not alone. And I don't have to be afraid and I can be encouraged and I can have that courage that you want me to have for the glory of God. All right, lessons learned real fast. I've said all these, but I like to put it in a little quickie here. Just Number one, listen to God. Find a time this week when you just do some listening. Don't just do all the talking. Okay, He wants to talk to us. Number two, do not let fear win. When God puts His hand on your life and He's calling you towards something and He wants you to lead or step out, I don't want you to let fear win. Now, there are things you should fear in life. I'm not saying that. But I'm talking about the spiritual mountains that God wants to put you in and set your feet on. You go. Number three, learn from others. Man, what, what have you learned from the people in your life? I want to constantly be a student of everybody around me. My wife, Bonnie, my kids, um, my friends, this church, our deacon team, our pastoral team. I, I want to always be a life learner to say, tell me about that. Tell me more. What else do you think? Because that's how we get better as a church. Number four, live knowing that God is with you. No matter what you're facing today, God is with you and He cares about you and He loves you and He believes in you. We sang about it today. We sang about it today. He is for you. You do not have to be afraid. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for moments like this that are very real to us and very powerful in us. Thank you for the story of Joshua and for you trying to help him pack his bag. And the stuff he needed is your presence, encouragement, no fear, strength. God, the stuff he needed is not the stuff that we usually try to take with us. And I just ask you to be strong in this room right now for people who might be praying for one thing, but you want to give them something different. We trust you, Lord. If you live in fear, just in a general sense, could I pray for you? Whatever that means, whether it's to tackle the obstacle or protection or physical, emotional, spiritual fear. I just felt so prompted this week to just pray for those of you that would say, I have, I have too much fear control in what I do and don't do. Just hold up a hand right now, would you? Amen. Amen. Church, let's pray for our brothers and sisters. Lord, wisdom is different than fear. Phobia. I just pray that you'll teach us. You'll help us. And the presence of God through your Spirit will, will help us to overcome those fears that sometimes wreck our lives, change our plans.
Don't let fear win in us this week. Help us, Lord, to be able to do the work of God with courage and boldness and gentleness and humility, but to trust that you are going before us. Even in tough times, when it's ugly, we don't have to be afraid because you are there and you know and you have a plan, even when we don't know it or see it. Secondly, I just want to pray for some of you that would say, I... I'm convicted today about some changes I need to make in my life, and these are patterns. And I'm not going to have you raise your hand to this because it's no one else's business, but I want you to acknowledge in your soul that right now God is talking to you about things that need to change in your thinking. And it could be as easy as not going to that place anymore, not reading that anymore, not viewing that anymore, not attending that party anymore. It's, it's find the place that leads you to the stumbling spot. And don't even go to the place that leads you there. Stay out of there. Change your patterns. You say, it's not that easy. I know. I'm not trying to make it sound easy. But the presence of God is with you. And my Bible says, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And I believe that. But I believe you have to surrender. The word is surrender and submission. It's not power or authority. It's surrender. And will I truly surrender this stuff to God? That's the big question. Lord, I pray for my family, brothers and sisters here today that just are saying yes to this mandate, yes to this quest of taking the journey with you that requires something of us. We ask you for your continued grace and mercy. We thank you for it. And we trust you to send us out of here as the people of God doing your work. Help us to learn from Joshua. And help us to draw a new line in the sand for the glory of God. And everyone said amen. (laughs) Amen. I love you guys. Proud of you. I really am. I'm thankful. And I want us to be what God sees and what he wants his church to be. Salt and light on this earth. So let's keep working at it. And let's enjoy it um, instead of chafing under it. Amen. God, uh, ushers, would you come now? We're going to receive an offering. We are receiving our regular tithe and offering right now. Thank you for being a percentage giver. Thank you for the discipline of giving uh, cheerfully. This church impacts our city. It impacts many places in the world because you give through Timberline. And God bless you in that for your faithfulness. If you're a guest, we don't expect you to give. We uh, would love for you to drop that connection card in as it goes by. And thank you so much for being our guest today. Let's sing this song together as we, as we uh, get ready to head out of here. Thank you.